0: Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time.
1: Well, sustainability increasingly becoming a necessity for corporations due to changing perspectives around the world, and it's becoming even more critical for companies to address the gap between knowing and doing by embracing sustainable business practices. So in today's business world, green credentials are the key to staying competitive, and this pressure has pushed firms to try to be more environmentally friendly. And yet, becoming a green company takes a sizable amount of resources. It takes a lot of time, and of course, like everything else, there are risks involved. And many companies are struggling to adequately address the critical issues involved with this, and more broadly, often fail to understand what it truly means to be a green business in the first place. So how can businesses better navigate this space and ensure that they are authentic in their sustainability initiatives? We are joined this afternoon by John Pabin, sustainability consultant and author. And also, here is the special guest we were talking to you about earlier today. Your three guesses are up. Charmaine Yee, host and brand ambassador at DocuSign. Charmaine, of course, is a music DJ from the other station right across from us here on Money FM as well. Good afternoon to you guys.
2: Hi, good evening. Hey. Thank, thanks for having us on.
1: Afternoon, it's yeah, still absolutely. afternoon, right, John? Oh, it's
2: still afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's
1: evening. <laughs> uh. All right, John, um, we're talking about sustainability, of course. So, can you tell us how you got from there to here? From where are you today? What's the impetus behind your journey?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've been in the sustainability space, gosh, it's probably been about 20 years now. And I think when I got into it, it wasn't even called sustainability. It was sort of a new thing. I know people come out of school now with degrees in sustainability. That didn't exist. So I was working at the United Nations. That was sort of my dream job, living in New York. And I took a trip to China Mm. just on a little vacation and thought, okay, this seems kind of cool. Let's move here. I went back to New York, packed my stuff. But once I got to Shanghai, I had to sort of figure out, OK, what do I do with all this public sector experience at the UN in a commercial city? And I kind of fell into sustainability that way, because for me, sustainability is kind of the marriage between business and altruism. So I call myself a pragmatic altruist, uh, as you folks will probably figure out once we start talking. I am not an activist by any stretch of the imagination. I spent most of my time in the boardroom. So I approach sustainability very much with a dollars and cents sort of perspective.
1: All right. It is good to hear from a non-activist activist sustainability person for a change. John, so we know that organizations are paying more attention now to ESG issues and becoming a business uh, imperative as well for many companies across the industry. So where are we now in this uh, journey to being more sustainable?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. It has been a journey. Uh, If you look at sustainability sort of historically... Basically, the modern environmental movement kind of started in the 1950s, 1960s. -hmm. And that's a time I would call sustainability 1.0. So that's when we'd had a lot of the, the greenies. We had the books like Rachel Carson, Silent Spring came out. A lot of people will quote that. And it was very much around environmentalism. There were a lot of people working together. Even the first Earth Day was founded by a group of American senators, which today is just mind boggling that politicians would be behind this. But back in that first era, that's what was going on. And then we got into sustainability 2.0, which was kind of the 1980s and the era, era of big greed and conglomeration. And mm-hmm. that really put us on the wrong trajectory because we sort of commercialized sustainability in all the wrong ways. Today, we're in sustainability 3.0. So it's sort of what I would call the Gretaization of goods. So <laughs> if sustainability 1.0 was characterized by hope, Sustainability 2.0 by greed, I would guess today's sustainability is really sort of guided by, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. There's a huge amount of uncertainty going on right now. There's geopolitical issues. Obviously, the pandemic has thrown things for a spin. So we're not quite sure, but that doesn't mean we should lose hope. Uh, you know, AC Nielsen, they do this annual sustainability tracker where they'll see sort of what you know people are saying about sustainability around the world. Mm-hmm. And they found in their most recent tracker that 66 percent of the general public, general consumers – they're behind sustainability. They will pay more for it. We hear a lot about millennials. 73% are obviously behind it and will pay more for sustainable products as well. What's most interesting, though, is that consumers in the developing world, and again, I spent most of my career living and working in China, so working in the developing world, those are the ones most at risk for all the changes that are happening with the environment. But they're also the most supportive of Mm -hmm. sustainable initiatives. So 90% of consumers in Asia Pacific, they want a company to stand for something more than just making money. Those are all great stats, and they're all pointing us in the right direction.
1: Okay, John, let me just pick up on what you were talking about. Sustainability 1.0, sustainability 2.0. There was a time in the 80s when we were, you know, I was young a long time ago. We were talking (laughs) about, uh, I don't think Charmaine will remember this, but we were talking (laughs) about the ozone layer disappearing. Therefore, stop using your hairspray spray canisters and and things like that. (laughs) And that sort of fizzled out. And now we are with the modern uh, sustainability 3.0. Do you think this time around people will pay more attention? It looks like we are paying more attention.
0: Absolutely, and it's interesting you bring up the ozone layer because even though it sort of fizzled out from a, a PR and media perspective, it actually worked. So the the work we did back in the nineteen eighties, and I'm probably the same age as you. Uh, you know, I remember this as a kid. But the work we did has actually closed the ozone layer. You know, we're not; it's not completely closed, but mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot better than had we done nothing. So I think that's kind of a really good example of what's happening today too. So it's sort of that concerted effort of people all knowing we need to do something, mm-hmm. but the question is which a lot of people are asking, what am I supposed to
1: do? Yeah, what are we supposed to do, Charmaine? And now we have a lot of tools out there that will allow us to do our part even more than what we did in the 80s.
2: I mean, there's, there's a lot of what we did here. Throughout the years, right? And we're now doing it as individuals. Mm -hmm. We're changing our lifestyles. We're using less plastic. I think there's a lot of emphasis on that. But I think we've also overlooked the paper part.
1: Because we all think paper is biodegradable.
2: I think so. Do you think that's the reason?
1: I mean, we would probably think so, yeah. Like paper everything, paper wrappers, paper bags are more friendly. I think that's the... But do
2: you feel we are headed in the right direction? Because the stats don't show us the same thing, though.
1: Mm, what, What are they showing us?
2: So it goes to show that businesses are increasing. And John, you can please back me up on this one. Businesses are increasing their paper usage by an average of something like 22% per year. So maybe as individuals, we're making small changes, but corporations are kind of the guilty ones here. You Mm. know, the systems, that's what needs to change. Like systemic change, right? John, you're just nodding away. So
1: how do we implement this kind of change to many of the corporations with legacy backgrounds that they cannot move away from?
2: I mean, again, John, jump in whenever, but I think that when it comes to businesses, you got to figure out where the paper usage is at its peak. Mm -hmm. And then from there, figure it out. Because every process of invoicing, receipts, we were talking about this Mm -hmm. contract signing, that actually involves paper as well. But there has been a change, though. I don't want to make it seem all doom and gloom. I think ever since the pandemic, and we were talking about this, Tim, as well, I asked you earlier, so when did you start e-signing?
1: During the pandemic. Because it was acceptable. (laughs) More companies were accepting e-sign during the pandemic as not like before.
2: I think prior to that, we were all still pen and paper, which mm-hmm. is which sounds so archaic to say, right? But I think it became more out of a need because we couldn't see we each couldn't other. We couldn't see each other. Yes. Yeah, but in your life, for example, Tim, right? Are you still are you e signing a lot? What What are you seeing? I, mean, I
1: prefer to e sign a lot because I'm never physically anywhere these days. Yeah. I don't know where I am at any given time. And it's fast. It's, it's like fast, thirty yes. seconds,
2: and you sign something. So your business appears more efficient mm-hmm. anyway, right? But, but
1: how do we make these businesses who are still not comfortable with e-signing anything. And now that more and more businesses are getting back to normal and people are going back to work, are we going to continue to e-sign? Will this continue to be acceptable?
2: I mean, I think it's also on a company level, but I know, John, you want to say something. It's just more on a company level pledging to meet those 2030 sustainable goals that we have Mm -hmm. as well. And like John, just to touch on a point that he mentioned earlier as well, people are investing in brands that stand for something. So overall, this does help your brand, at least statistically in APEC, right?
0: Even globally, you know, people do want companies to stand for something more. They're not just going to sit around and let a company, you know, in the oil industry, for example, do bad things. You know, they may, not be able to do a whole lot, but they're not going to sit quietly. And, you know, Charmaine, you hit on a really good point. I know we talk a lot about people power and be the change you want to see in this world, and that's fine. But I think certainly it's up to business and the private sector to be doing the lion's share of the work because they cause the lion's share of the problems. (laughs) But even beyond that, they have the resources, they have the capacity, they have the money, and they have the willingness because for really smart companies, savvy ones, they know that sustainability is a great differentiator for their business versus the competition, but it also ensures that you're going to be around for a long time. Yeah. People don't have access to the same stuff a business does. Government doesn't have the willingness to be doing anything on the level that a corporation does. So it's really up to the private sector. But Tim, to your question, you know, what can we do, not just with paper, but broadly speaking, I think the biggest thing that has hurt business and sustainability is this idea that executives are measured quarter by quarter. Hmm. Sustainability is not measured quarter by quarter. Yeah. So if your KPIs are all tied to that and you're going to lose your job because you didn't do something over the last three months, You're not going to focus on sustainability as a KPI, so you're not going to get anywhere. So we need to figure out a way to marry the long-term interest of a business and the planet – with this idea that metrics need to be done quarter by quarter.
1: Okay, Charmaine, you did something very interesting with DocuSign going out in the streets. They're asking people about the paper industry and our usage of paper. What did you find out?
2: So when I went out to talk to people who live in Singapore or people who are Singaporeans, it's alarming. Everybody either just is quite apathetic about it mm-hmm. or they're not, okay, maybe I don't want to say everybody's apathetic, but it was just kind of the, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much paper my company Company uses. I try to reduce. I don't photocopy so much. Mm-hmm. I don't print so much. But they don't know. If I said, hey, do you know how much paper your company actually uses? I mean, not everybody is curious, I would say, or concerned, I think, on, on that level. And so I went around with a few stats. And I'm going to ask you a question, Tim. Okay. Okay. So per A4 sheet of paper, and this is in the Is Paper Costing Us the Earth thing that John wrote... Per A4 paper, how many liters of water do you think has to be produced to make one? Make a guess. How many liters,
1: liters of water is used to produce one A4 Just one sheet
2: paper. of A4. You get three guesses. <laughs> <laughs> An
1: old-fashioned way of making paper from tree to bark to pressing it in water and making it all that, I would say 20 liters. Okay. But in a modern-day industrial setting, it's probably going to be slightly less than that.
2: What slightly less?
1: I don't know. 10, 15? <laughs> okay.
2: wow, hey, 10. Wow,
1: 10 liters is still a lot for I a mean, piece is. of paper. I'm, we never think about it this way.
2: But you hit the nail on the head. It's 10 liters of water, and it's a lot of water. Mm-hmm. You know, and we don't think about it like that. We're like, oh, 10 liters, you know, but it's a lot per what, A4.
1: 10 and, liters is 10 days of drinking water for an average person.
2: Exactly, yeah. So when you think about it, there's just so much waste. I mean, John's just nodding away here because <laughs> it's so much waste. And under, isn't paper the fifth largest Polluter? Did, right? The, the
0: polluter, absolutely. It's I think it's right behind uh, the building industry, which is highly polluting.
1: And we never yep. think about it that way because we've always thought that it's biodegradable. When you go to the supermarket in the United States, it's plastic or paper. And we always think paper is just, you know, better than plastic for the environment.
2: I mean, we've done well with the plastic. I think the knowledge is there. A lot of us are like, everybody's bringing their metal straws around mm-hmm. and we're not using as much plastic. cutlery. I mean, at least that's what I've okay, noticed. Metal
1: straws are better than paper straws. I have issues with paper yes. straws. but <laughs>
2: uh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
1: <laughs> but yeah. So, do you think though, based on your survey out yeah. there, that people are willing to do changes or I make mean, changes in their own special small way?
2: I don't want to sound so cliche, but knowledge is power. And whenever when when they heard the stats, they were like, everybody was shocked, and they just yeah. thought, you know what? Okay, now I'm going to be more conscious. So it's it's either a knowledge game or an awareness game. Mm-hmm. That once people know just how much it is affecting our earth that we might start doing something about it because only 3% of companies are fully paperless.
1: 3%.
2: Am I right, John? No, you're right.
1: Only 3%.
2: Completely paperless, right? Completely paperless.
1: Okay, well, for boomers like us, it is hard without paper because, you know, looking (laughs) at documents on my phone, is it gets tiring.
2: Tim, trust me, you can get a screen, you can put it at (laughs) font 20 you'll be all right. (laughs) I think you'll be okay.
1: All right, one final thing. Where do you think we are headed to as far as the future is concerned with all these uh, sustainability efforts that we're doing? Uh, John, why don't we start with you?
0: Yeah, I think with the, certainly with the activist voice that's out there, you know, we see a lot from groups like Extinction Rebellion, you know, they're throwing tomato soup onto paintings. They're really mm-hmm. ramping up the knowledge. Okay, that but they're also have, doing it I, the wrong way, I think. Yeah, they're I agree. 100%. So, I am, so I am not a fan of the activist sort of unpragmatic mm. approach to what they're doing. And I think... Where we are now is not so much, if I want to use marketing terms, it's not so much about getting the impressions. It's not so much about getting the visibility everybody knows or most people should know somewhat kind of what's going on. They may not know how much... Uh, Water it takes to make a sheet of paper, but they know there's a problem and we need to fix it now. Mm -hmm. What we need to do is start converting people. So activist antics, things of, of that nature, aren't converting people because they sort of look at it as fringe. So I think the important thing right now, especially for business, is to really be out there, be vocal. Let everybody know sort of the great things you're doing and don't feel that just because you're doing good and you're talking about it, that makes you inauthentic. I think, like Charmaine said, knowledge is power. We need to get the knowledge out there.
1: Charmaine?
2: Well, that's what I was going to say. But it comes from, you know, if you're concerned enough, rock up to HR, go to your guys and say, hey, I'm curious to know. You can start being the change in your office.
1: Just go up there and say, I won't receive my pay with a pay <laughs> check. You should deposit it directly to
0: my bank.
2: Well, yeah. Maybe
0: don't start with the check. Maybe
2: <laughs> start with the that's a good point. That's a good. That's dangerous ground there. Mm. But, you know, it's even asking things like being curious about how much paper is used in the various departments. Mm-hmm. And you can really just speak to the people, I mean, speak to the right people that will make the change and just say, hey, hey, how can we help you? How can we mm-hmm. do this together? And yeah, that's how you can start to reduce the overall pay usage so I don't know if we are as in like SPH we're part of the three percent or the ninety seven percent
1: I'm not sure
2: I'm not sure either but I mean it's about speaking to the right people okay
1: yeah well my first paycheck here was a paycheck it so was that's a, why I'm bringing this was, example up. Not anymore, but yes. So
2: was mine. Yeah, so However, it's all digital it's for all me now. It's all digital
1: now. and makes it go. more convenient for all of us. And I was going to say slowly but surely, we should all do it one step at a time. But I don't think slowly but surely works anymore when it comes to the environment. We've got to do it now, right, John?
0: Absolutely. And I think these things can be done at scale. So we don't have to be slow and sure. Just get it done.
1: All right. Thank you very much, guys, for joining us here. John Pambin is a sustainability consultant and author. And, of course, Charmaine Yi is Radio DJ and brand ambassador for DocuSign. You're listening to Primetime on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at MoneyFM893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.